0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com.
1: Everything that's uh, happened in our family, the last thing I would want to happen is that you leave this morning thinking about our family, our hope, is that this will all point back to Jesus and that you will leave being overwhelmed with who he is and his love for us. So let's pray for that. Father God, may you get all the glory. May this time of Easter be uh, what it was created to be, a time of remembrance, that everything has changed. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I have a couple things that I think about. I wonder how would I respond in this situation? And one of my number ones was what would I do if a bus was coming down the road and a child was in the middle of the road, would I be that guy that had the courage to jump in the way, midair, of course, and then grab the child and get out of the way? And Put myself at risk. So obviously I wouldn't make it all the way across, but i put myself at severe risk of me getting hit by the bus so that that child wouldn't. I haven't had that opportunity yet, but it's one of those questions you have going, how would I respond? Would it go down the way I'd want it to? Would I have that courage? Would I even follow through? A bigger question is how will I face death? It's a question that we all... It kind of lingers in our head, and then we don't want to think about it anymore, and so we push it out of the way. Well, on December 31st through January 2nd, the doctors up at UCLA, while I was in the ICU, uh, called my wife on three different occasions during those 12 days and said, you need to get up here right now. And we know what that means. Um, You need to get your children, and you need to come here now. three different times at the beginning of this year that they, from their opinion, said, this man's going to die. And so I had the opportunity to face death. And I want to talk about that, but I don't, I don't want to focus on that. But through that experience, um, several weeks ago, I was praying and, and I felt like the Lord was saying, There's no better time to share this story about you facing this death than on Easter. Easter, the time when we look at the the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, we don't have to be afraid of death. I want that to be what you hear. I don't know if you'll believe it. I believe it now, and I'll tell you more about that in a little bit, but you don't have to be afraid. You weren't designed to be afraid of death. In fact, death is an event. It was never designed to be the end. So how would you face death? I want you to think about that this morning. How would you face death? They say that that looking at death is like staring into the sun. And so what I'm asking you to do this morning is, probably what you've tried to avoid for a long time, I want to invite you to stare into the sun, to think about this. I don't know if you have a a, a bus moment that you've set aside, wondering how you'd respond, but instead in that place, put this situation. How are you going to face death? How are you going to stare into the sun? Because this is a situation we're all going to have to face. It's an event we're all going to have to go through. And so let's start thinking about it now. And Easter is the perfect time to do that. Jesus' students, we call them disciples, but disciples is one of those words we throw around all the time, but it only gets used in Bible circles. I mean, I don't think any of you have disciples or call yourself a disciple necessarily outside of the Jesus community. But disciple just means student. And his students who walked with him were petrified of death, which is why he always had to say, don't be afraid. He had to say it all the time to them. And they didn't respond very well. There's the famous one where Jesus, and Jesus did this often, but where he would tell them, this is how it's gonna go down. In Mark 8, he says, "Um, the son of God's gonna suffer many things and he's gonna be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. So he's telling them, I'm going to get killed. It's going down. Have you ever heard anybody tell you that? How do you think they'd respond? What if I was in the hospital and Stephanie came up and three kids came up and I said, hey guys, let me shoot you straight. I'm going down. This is the day it's going to go down. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to stop breathing on this day. little intense. Jesus is sitting down his students And saying, this is how it's going to go down. I'm going to die. And then he says, after three days, I will rise again. In verse 32, I like the way it says it. It says he just spoke it plainly. Like he didn't speak in code. It wasn't like, did he mean that? He said he spoke plainly. This is what's going to happen. And Peter responded how you think he would. Oh, no, 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 no. This doesn't go. It says that Peter rebuked him. Why? Because he was afraid. Peter, by Jesus, was being forced to stare into the sun and look at this death. And all he heard was the dying part, not the rising again. That part didn't make any sense to him. It's understandable. It's normal for us to be afraid of death. But Jesus, and that's what we're going to look at right now. Jesus teaches us about death. He taught them about death. And by teaching, what he's really doing is asking questions. And so we are going to look at a passage that I would have never expected to be taught or shared at Easter. But this is the one I'm going to share. It's from uh, the book of Mark, chapter 4, and verse 35. And you know it as Jesus calming the storm. Now, this passage is not about a storm. What we usually do is we take this passage and we say, oh, that's right, because Jesus can calm the storms in our life. That is not what this is about. And so let me take us through the basics of it. Um, evening, it was evening, and Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So they left the crowd behind, and they got in the boat. So all of the students were in the boat, uh, and it, it, it's the Sea of Galilee, The Lake of Galilee. And if you've been there, it's not like one of our lakes. Like it can get storms. Like legitimate storms. Not like, oh, it's raining. Woo, let's get out of the rain. It's like, no, we're going to die type of storms. And so they're on the sea. And Jesus is in the stern. He's in the back. And the size of the boat during Jesus' time, were about as long as this row right here to me. So about that long. And about... Uh, seven feet wide. So they're all in there, and Jesus is in a little ball, because that's the only room he could have in the back in the little space they had. And he's in the back, passed out. I don't know why. I don't know if he's super relaxed, worn out, um, needed to get away. And everybody else is awake. And the fishermen, I mean, Peter, James, and John, this is their job. They're the pros, right? They know when things go bad. And so they get to the point where it's bad. And they come to Jesus And these experts of the sea say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? They wake him up, which I would recommend you don't wake up the son of God when he's sleeping. (laughs) So he got up and Jesus rebukes the wind. Let that sink in for a second. Rebukes the wind. If you saw somebody do that, that'd throw you off your game, wouldn't it? that they even tried like what's I say stop you I mean that's a rebuke right how dare you that's a rebuke and that's what he does he rebukes the wind and the waves and he says quiet be still and the wind died down and it was completely calm and typically we take scriptures in the bible and we twist it to make it work Oh, yeah, that's right. So when I have storms in my life, we turn it into an analogy. When I have difficult things going on in my life, Jesus can calm it. I just have to go to him. And I have to say, hey, can you take my situation and can you fix it? But that's not what this is about. And then he says to the disciples, after the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Or another way, he says it is, "Where is your trust? Where is your faith?" Now you can look at this like he rebuked them, but he didn't. What have said, He rebuked his students. but he's asking them a question. And when you hear Jesus ask questions, he knows the answers. He's not asking them the question, going, "Hey, you know, I don't really know. Why are you afraid?" He wants them to ask the questions. He's a teacher. He wants his students to ask the question, why are you afraid? You freaked out. You ran to me. What were you afraid of? What are you really afraid of? And where is your trust? Who do you trust? What do you trust in? That's the question for us this morning. I I was in the hospital And we had reached a point where I started realizing, oh, this is real. Because when I went in, the plan was, oh, we're going to do the surgery. And this is one of the steps and you'll get healthy. And so I come in and they're putting tubes in me. And I'm like, I'll just sit here for a little bit. I'll be home by Christmas. And I just kept staying there. And then it got to the point where I started shaking. I'm like, things are getting bad. What's going on? And they brought me up uh, to ICU. They said, we're going to bring you up there so you can have individual care. And it started dawning on me, this is bad. And they took me up, and I said, uh, I, need, I need the ventilator. I need something to go. I need the tube. I can't breathe. And I saw the nurses and the doctors look at me, and one of them said, I've never heard anyone ever ask for that before. And they didn't have time to put me out. And so I was wide awake, and they take this tube, and they're like, whoop, right down your throat. But I was like, bring it on, because I knew I couldn't breathe. And then they start giving you drugs and things, and I'm starting to uh, go to sleep, and then I'm up. And, and, and this is, goes on for about five days. And in that period of time, I'm realizing it's getting more and more serious, and I'm starting to realize this is a possibility of life and death. Um. But something very surprising happened. Something I, I never expected. On um, December 31st and January 1st, in that period of time, uh, they would called Stephanie. She came up. My friends were told, you know, this is. And my friends have repeated back to me. We were like, we we thought that was it. That we just at all had accepted that you were going. And. I had a unique time of prayer. I did not die. I did not go down some shooting tunnel of light. But I definitely had a unique moment of sitting with the Lord. And I knew that death was right there. The event of death. But I also knew there was life. And I don't know how else to describe what I heard from the Lord. But it's much like the question that he asked the disciples. And it was a question. It wasn't a choice, it was just a question. And it was a question of do you want to come home? Do you want to come to heaven? Do you want to come to paradise? Or do you want to stay here? And like I said, I, it wasn't like he gave me the choice. He was asking me the desires of my heart. In the same way that he's asking these disciples why are you afraid? Search yourself. What's going on inside of you? And I was facing that. And I was amazed. Because I never expected this. But I'm telling you with all sincerity and honesty, I had not one ounce of fear. And it scared me. I'm like, "I, I know what's going on, right? Like, I know that death and life are right here, but I have no fear. This is awesome. (laughs) And as I thought about heaven, oh, I can't wait to be there. As I've shared with you before and and Stephanie's vision and seeing heaven and other friends of ours and uh, eyewitnesses that we've um, heard from, it's beautiful. It's better than anything you could imagine here the music, the colors, the joy, there's no more tears. You're not in a cloud. You're not playing a harp. That's not heaven. <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> heaven is Heaven is beautiful. Heaven has cities, heaven has countryside, heaven has oceans. Heaven has some of the best left point breaks you'd ever imagine it's and I'm not I'm not just trying to make this stuff up this is heaven and so when that is there I have a great desire to be there and I felt in that moment that maybe I could just say yeah let's go and I love my wife and I love my children I love you guys but I also had the full confidence and Steph and I had talked about it that they'd be taken care of and in the condition I was in I'm like am I going to be a burden to them But a verse came to mind, a verse I know, it's not a life verse, but the verse that came to mind is, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And to go to heaven, to die, that is gain. To live is Christ, and that that became larger and larger and larger, and that was the desire of my heart. That's what I wanted. I was like, Lord, I'm not done. I think of my, my family and my friends, and I want... What you've taught me through all of this, I want everybody to hear. And I, I would have regrets. You know, my children, they, they play sports and eventually they quit those sports. And I just tell them, look, you're welcome to quit it, but I want you to quit it and look back and have no regrets. And I knew that I would have regrets. The desire of my heart was to come back and to do things different and more intense and more boldly and more loving. And I, I'll share more about that over the next few weeks. But the biggest thing for me as I sat there and he asked me the desire of my heart and I thought of life and death, I was surprised that I was not afraid. And it's not because I have some great strength. It's because of Jesus. And when Jesus sat there before his disciples and asked them, where is your faith? It was at that moment in my life that I realized truly, no, my faith is in Christ. I know where I'm going. I did nothing to earn it, but I know where I'm going. And that frees me up for here. The reality is we're going to still have trouble here, though. On your bulletin, if you look at the very front, can I borrow that? if you look at the very front, this is John 16, 33. And Jesus says, again, he's talking to his students about death. He says, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have trouble and suffering. I knew to live as Christ, but I also knew it meant meant to go through trouble and suffering. We all have to go through it. Currently, right now, I'm in a rebuilding stage we don't know how long it's going to take to be rebuilt or if it'll ever be fully rebuilt physically. Many of you know what that's like physically. Many of you are in situations where you're staring into the sun, but it doesn't have to do with death. You're dealing with suffering. You're dealing with discomfort. You're dealing with, with fear that's rising up in you, with anxiousness. You have trouble and you have suffering. And we shouldn't be surprised. Many people said, "Wow, you! This is an answer to prayer because if you pray, God's going to take away your pain." It's not true. He can, but the reality is, Steph and I asked him to take the pain away for a year and a half, and it didn't go anywhere. In fact, every time we prayed, it got worse. We didn't tell you guys this, but it got to the point where we were like, "How can we ask the church to stop praying? Because every time they pray, it gets worse." So we can't be surprised that we have trouble and suffering. But Jesus says this, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Take courage. Some of your Bibles will say, be of good cheer. My favorite way of uh, translating that word courage or cheer, it says, be bold. I've conquered the world. Be hopeful. I've conquered the world. Be confident. I've conquered the world. Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again so that you could look at that and be bold and be confident and be of good cheer. He wants to set you free. I've taught that. I've preached that. But going through that moment, and I may have to go through it again, but going through that period of time, facing death, coming right there on the line, has given me so much courage, given me so much more boldness. Same for Stephanie. And it's given my children boldness. But the reality is, as a family, we're not going to lie about this. We're still dealing with trouble and suffering. We still have nightmares. We still, uh, my kids still see pictures. One of my children last night said, I I wish you hadn't let me see dad with all the tubes hanging out. It was traumatic. Um, I asked Karis if I could share this. Um, She's been having nightmares. My eight-year-old daughter's been having nightmares of, of death, of her dying, of uh, our dog that we used to have dying. Um, it's scary. And so we sat down and talked about, you know, how we deal with it. And I told her, I said, I have the same kind of crazy dreams. Different, but dreams. I, I, I see those pictures that they took of me, oh, you'll be happy down the road. I'm not ready to look at those pictures yet. To me, when I look at that, it causes trouble and suffering. I'm not ready yet. Not afraid of death, but I don't want to have to go through that moment again if I can avoid it. And so we're in that moment. We're on the couch we're talking and I look over at Keaton and I know Keaton has had to deal with these fears before and then with me going through this, he's had to deal with it again. So I said, Keaton, what advice would you have for Karis? And I was going to share Keaton's story, but I'm going to ask Keaton to come up, and I want him to share his counsel to Karis on how he faces death and the fear of death. So this is my son. I know he looks like he's um, my brother, (laughs) but uh, he's going to briefly share.
2: Well, what... What I said to Karis was... Because I've had this before. And like when I was younger, uh, my dad told me this story. And when Jesus was on the cross, there were two criminals next to him. They were both thieves. They were really terrible thieves. And, and one of them... They were on both sides. And one of them said, If you're the, really the son of God, then why don't you bring us all down and, and save us all? And then... The other one said, do you fear God? Um, God, will you, I mean, Jesus, will you remember me in the kingdom of heaven? And he said, today you will join me in paradise. So all he had to do was ask Jesus for his forgiveness, and then he could join him. And these people were terrible people. That's like the highest form of punishment you can get, crucifixion. So... All they had to do, they earned nothing, and they, all they had to do was ask for his forgiveness.
1: Thanks, kids. <laughs> and so we're sitting on our couch and Keaton's sharing that, holding Karis's hands, and that's the story of Easter. Literally, on Good Friday, Jesus is up on that cross, And that criminal has that little brief time of putting his trust in Jesus. Man, doesn't that seem unfair? Like, he hasn't even really changed his life. He hasn't earned it. And Jesus is saying, you will be with me in paradise. In fact, that guy doesn't even respect himself. He looks at the other criminal and he's like, we deserve this. That's how he views himself. We deserve this worst, the worst death you could possibly have. Crucifixion. We're not gonna get into the details of it, but it's horrendous. And he says, I deserve this. And he looks at Jesus and says, will you remember me when you enter in your kingdom? He doesn't even say, will you bring me? Will you fix this? Hey, can you wipe this clean? He says, will you remember me? He doesn't even wanna go that far. And Jesus just freely gives it to him you will be with me today in paradise. The place I talked about, the place that I wanted to be. I, my hope and my prayer for us is that you would leave knowing that God recklessly loves you. When you see one thing written here at our church, when you see people walking around with t-shirts that say one thing, when I was younger, to me, it meant to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, which meant I need to go do this. That's what I need to do. It's like my compass to keep me focused. And through this whole process and walking with God through this, I felt like God was opening me up and going, it is not about you or what you do. It's about what I've done and how much I love you. When I woke up on January 1st, and December 31st, when I woke up and Stephanie was holding me and she was, I was like, she loves me. She really unconditionally loves me. And it was so clear to me that God said, these are my hands and I'm using her as my hands to let you know you gotta stop fighting for my love. I love you. I'm doing all of this for you. I'll do whatever it takes. I will destroy your lungs if that's what has to be done to open up your eyes and your heart so that you can receive this limitless love that I have for you and for everyone else. And then as I sat there and we prayed, I was like, Lord, I want to come back and tell everybody about it. I'm going to be more bold. I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to get in people's faces if I have to. I will do whatever it takes so that they have the opportunity. You've got to teach me how to do this without screwing it up. But I want people to know this love that I know now. And I don't want to make it sound like I've always got it like right there figured out, but I know it. I know it. And here's the beauty. Perfect love casts out fear. That's why that fear wasn't there, because of his love. It's all about him. We're going to pray for you. I'm just warning you right now, you're in trouble. (laughs) Um, I had made the decision that I was going to give you guys the opportunity, because some of you have walked through this, and you're ready to make a decision to follow Jesus. And let's face it, none of us really know what that means. We just walk it, but we know in our hearts you'll get to that place where you're like, this is, this is where I put my trust. I'm not going to put it in the boat. I'm not going to put it in my finances. I'm not going to put it in my spouse. I'm not going to put it in, in my education. I'm not going to put it in my family. I'm not going to put it in my business. I'm going to put it in Christ. And man, that's scary. And so I was talking last night with Stephanie about it and then Stephanie got all fired up and. And she said, no, it's got to be. And I went, all right, you're doing it. So we're going to close um, at least the message part with Stephanie. So um, hold, hold on your seats.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Um, no, I think that um, one of the biggest questions that when Boog and I were going through this and he wasn't really uh, coherent, people kept asking me how i was doing and how i was getting through it and how i wasn't afraid and i can't say it anymore that that god's love for me truly cast out every fear there was never a moment that i felt fear ever because i knew that god had a perfect story purpose plan For what was happening in our lives, there was just no way that this nightmare could be lived if I didn't have the Lord. Like, I knew that He was with me. And when Boog was sharing with me the message, I said, I want everyone to have this. I don't want anyone to be afraid. I want to boldly ask them, like, do you want to be fearless? Do you want to know without a doubt that there is a God who loves you so much? Do you want that? Like, No more put your heads down, close your eyes, and pray. Like, stand up and tell me, yes, I want that. I want to feel confident that God loves me, that he has a plan for me, and a perfect story. No matter what stuff. (laughs) I promised I wouldn't cuss. (laughs) I have to walk through. I know that God is with me and that he will take away my fear. And so, um, because this is such an incredible community of people, and they, each of you, have been so amazing, praying for us, um, praying for each other, loving on each other, meeting together, the unity, the just everything is just so the Lord. And I feel like we've all had crazy fears just in the past couple months. But so many of us, I mean, we fear about our kids, we fear about all those things. The Lord wants to take that so much from you and he wants you just to put your whole heart and trust in him. Um, and so basically that just means you claiming that and saying that and accepting him to do that. And so I'm going to go old school and I'm going to ask you to be bold and to be courageous and to stand up and we are going to watch and we are going to pray. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would stand up like even if whatever, but, um, You know, to say, yes, I want that. And we as a community of believers will be here with you, excited. That is Easter. That is why he rose, because we can live fearlessly. Um, So I'm going to ask that you would stand up, and we will pray with you. And we will excitedly accept this fearless, incredible love that God has for us today and forever. So, stand up. (laughs) I'm going to pray. And I'm just so grateful that you guys are willing to let go of your fears and cling to a father who will hold you and walk with you through the worst of circumstances. Father God, we love you. And we ask that you would take our fear, that you would fill us with your love, your perfect, incredible, reckless love. We want it. We need it. We can't live without it. And we praise you for sending your son to die on a cross for us so that we can celebrate life in a way that no other religion can. We claim it boldly and bravely, and we will walk as a community together with you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.